Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, like, no, 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 Don't lecture me, you fucking can opener. Mace, you better fire it up, dude. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boy. Drive your fucking wally bird. They laugh in New York and they, they laugh in San Francisco, but they will not be laughing when the mouth of hell opens up and sucks. The whole world is in the power of the evil one, the devil. And the media that he uses to control the world is television. Unfortunate reaction from the Hoy Boys in the chat after the highs of episode three. After that was great to wake up. Finally, thinking that everybody was on board with this show, we got a new nickname for the show. It's it's Suck Session. Jade was Jade. I mean, I was bored, but I was just waiting to discuss it with everybody. It's like. There were things to be learned, but boy, it was just such a come down from the previous episode. Filler. It's a filler episode, and then it tends to happen with with yeah. some of these shows. Yeah. And I and it's, I get I get it. Sometimes you can't give away the whole entire plot. Uh, and what Succession is ten episodes, uh, uh, correct? So so if it's ten episodes, so we're on episode four. Ten hours. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So they so they gave us a little Breath bit of something it. with Kendall breaking breaking the robot situation with Shiv. I thought that was interesting. Yes. Um, oh no, but, they, there were some. Yeah, I, I agree with you, AC. It was, yeah. And I think you're right. I think it's a function of being the beginning of Act Two. Yeah. If you will, so things are kind of slowing down. But oh man, it was, I just kind of wasn't excited watching it i was all jacked up from the previous episode and it was such a letdown well i think part of it is is there's it there was a there was less logan in his logan, his full logan form he, he was sitting back this episode yeah he chilled out he was and then chilled out. and then instead of being full bore he was like reserved and then yeah. panicked <laughs> he was full bore, B O R E. On the floor. <laughs> full bore on the yes, full bore. He was full bore this episode. He was letting Log- he was letting uh, Kendall do too much talking. So you think he panicked? That's interesting. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll no, come back I to mean, that. We can come back to that in the panic room scene I'm talking about. <laughs> Save the panic for the panic room, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think this was kind of a setup episode for the next one, which looks really promising to me because uh, we're going to meet 
the Pierce family and it's going to be headed by Cherry Jones. So we're finally going to see the Roy's interacting with a family that's kind of on their level, which I'm looking forward to another rich family, maybe a smarter, rich family. It'll be good to, to have that comparison because the Roy's have kind of just been operating in their own space up to this yeah. point. And they only eat Pulitzer. They only eat Pulitzer. That was a very that was a great line. Flex <laughs> by Holly Hunter there, who wasn't like no. dazzling, but no, she wasn't. She also kind of like Logan was hanging back. It felt like yeah, yeah. I she was reserved more. too. I was expecting more from that arrival. Um, I was expecting more from that scene. And honestly, not a fan of this haircut on Holly Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Although she appears ageless, doesn't she? Yeah, she's she looks good. I'm just saying the haircut yeah. didn't work for me. I, I I'm with you. I was like, that's a little bit of a strange she's one. She's a CEO, yeah. Eden. <laughs> it's a power cut. <laughs> it's not meant to be attractive. It's the thing. Oh I, I wasn't. I wasn't getting CEO. I was getting like head of PR. You know, yeah, I, she, a little bit to me. Okay, that's interesting. Like more like media management person or something. High level, but not the not the top. The power sure. suit and the haircut were not enough. <laughs> no. All right, let's break this episode down. So we've got Robo Kendall climbing the stairs to the seventy sixth floor, going up to the roof, his new hangout spot. He's leaving yet yeah. another message for Rhea Jarrell. We've got Tom and Shiv riding to work together, and they come in through a crowd of protesters. And this was fairly confusing because they haven't talked about this at all. But this protester thing is connected to this anchor named Mark Ravenhead, who I guess is supposed to be connected to the Nazis, which we will get to. But all of that was dumped on us in this episode, and it seemed like it had been percolating in the world of the show for a while. Shiv and Logan drink champagne and talk schedule, start off their morning. Kendall comes in. He's taken over medication duties after Joan missed a pill. <laughs> and Kendall kind of bristles at Shiv's presence. Shiv is looking at Kendall in a new light as daddy's pet, and they're just kind of eyeing each other this whole episode. Then we've got a board meeting where Sid asks Greg about being Tom's executive assistant. If Greg has to milk Tom, Tom says, whoa, who's the hot intern about Shiv? And Kendall tells Logan that Rhea is coming in to meet without talking to the Pierce family. And Kendall says, right. I mean, why lie to the old lady unless uh, you're down to fuck? Which is just deliciously creepy from Kendall. Yeah. There are a lot of creepy sex things going on in this episode. Oh God! Yeah, we'll oh, get to that. Oh, I'm yes. sure. Because don't yeah. forget, don't forget. We'll get on to the, that on the way. But no, before that, this, this was all introduced in the car ride you were describing at the outset, Maze. When Tom says to Shiv, "It's like it's like you and your dad can can finally bang." Oh yeah, that was weird. Oh, that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the way that like, she looks at him, like yeah, yeah, okay. Like, this stuff was littered throughout the episode. <laughs> <laughs> ancestral weirdness <laughs> so, so the protesters are against mark ravenhead like we talked about who got married at the eagle's nest which was hitler's retreat in bavaria we get that moment where greg is late banging on the glass with the, the latte and tom has to wave him off we've also got shiv making third base coach signals to tom even though she's just supposed to be observing <laughs> and kendall calls her out for it i'm just here yeah that was just it was so awkward and pretty obvious what was happening with shiv and and everybody was talking about it but yeah i i really don't like where shiv is headed at this point (laughs) she is she's not impressing me oh elaborate maze i want to hear more what do you what do you think well it's i think it's just what we talked about she's been clearly positioned as the successor and the logical successor yeah and she's kind of blowing it she's too aggressive she doesn't she's already trying to interfere with stuff like she refuses to be slow played 
She doesn't want the coloring book, like she says. She doesn't really know her role. She expected a lot more a lot quicker than what she was given. Right. I feel like she's set up. She's definitely set up for a fall. I feel like that's what this season seems to be about, where Kendall's in one spot where he's just... He's just basically on a leash the entire way. And you start to see that frustration with him. But as far as Shiv goes, I think she's she's embracing the Roy name where it seemed like in season one, she tried to act like he was above it. And now she's in a different type of space with the way that she's been treating Tom. And to your point, what she's been doing in terms of uh, just being aggressive and and that, and all of her conversations and all of the stuff, we've just seen an outright more aggressive, more um, not a primalistic. She, like her full Roy is showing. Well, let's talk about Tom and Greg's little adventure here. So Tom turns Jonah into his footstool when he loses a bet. We just got Greg walking in and Tom has his feet on another person's back. <laughs> Then he asks for info on Herr Ravenhead, and they discuss his potential links to Nazis. No, but I mean, fascist meeting, Nazi wedding, Hitler dog. Oh, dude, if it's true, he's gone. I mean, Nazis, terrible, right? Nazis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the worst. Yeah, sure, we all hate Nazis. And we all hate Sid, right, Jonah? Tom meets with Mark Ravenhead, asks him about the the alleged Nazi involvement, and then a gunshot goes off on the floor, sending ATN into chaos. Tom and Greg shove underlings out of their way as they run into what they believe is the safe room. (laughs) And Greg says, how is it safe? It's just a room. It's just a room, yeah. Logan gets taken to the real safe room, which we see is... Fully stocked with snacks, has a couch. We've got bunk beds in the back just in case. And later he's joined by Shiv, Jerry, and Rhea. And let's just talk about this now. So it certainly seemed like it was mighty convenient for Rhea to not be able to leave the building. But they do not explicitly say that it was contrived or organized by the Roys. Is this just bad writing, Jake? Well, how do you mean by is it just bad writing? Is it just forcing Rhea to stay that's new, too narratively convenient for them to not have orchestrated it, to just be a random chance? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. It was a little shocking, right, that they went into this place, and then, then they ultimately play it for a lot of laughs. Um, I thought it was a little strange, you know. That I, I, I was with you. I thought it was going to be... I was thinking the whole time this was going to be a hoax that they put on to bring her into the room, that this was the backup plan to force her to talk longer. Uh, Because this is where the real negotiation happened. The lunch meeting was purely foreplay for introducing where they were in their thinking and what they might need to do to convey this message in a meaningful way, knowing that the Pierce family really has no interest in selling. Um, so for them to get her back up into the place, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if they just were staging a social media event, as Jade would call it? Because if it's not, I mean, if, if it were, we're highly, it would be highly risky to have that then be broadcast all over the news and become the PR event. By the way. Did. Yeah. By the way, even if it was real, it might have been staged too. (laughs) (laughs) On brand as fuck. Don't back into mute. (laughs) So, um, I don't know, Maze. I I, I came away ambivalent about the whole thing, especially when it seemed to, you know, Tom as everything's relieving itself and Tom's walking back to his office, he looks over to the cubicle where the guy shot himself and said, oh, is he still there? <laughs> so, meaning they seem to be playing it for the earnest, uh, you know, in earnest. So Tom thinks that they were coming for him, of course, because it's always about Tom, to Tom Wamsgams, to decapitate ATN. Greg is not satisfied with the security levels in this backup safe room. What the fuck? We got the shit room. That makes total sense because this safe room doesn't feel that safe, okay? 
I mean, is that airtight? Or, and is that bulletproof? Are these windows bulletproof? I mean, they can waft gas in here, right? I don't think the speculation is very helpful. I mean, these are the things you think about when you're designing a panic room. So I'm just saying. And a person can fit through there. A person can definitely fit through that window. A small person, an attack child. Okay, I need you to get me to the other safe room, the real one, so right away. Says he could throw an attack child through the glass up there? <laughs> an attack child, which is a, a thing? is so funny sometimes. <laughs> Well, I mean, we remember the attack child in um, <laughs> Barry. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. You know? HBO imagine, Synergy. Imagine she was there. Right, right. She would be a serious security threat. Oh, my God. Succession would be lucky to have a, an attack child of her caliber <laughs> show up. Seriously. Then we get a moment where Greg attempts to break up with Tom so he can go work in a different department. He proposes that it could be like a business open relationship. Tom is hurt and then angry and starts pelting Greg with water bottles. He calls it executive level business. <laughs> and Matthew McFadden showed off maybe the worst throwing form on television. Jake, can you please give me a scouting report on yeah. what happened so, here? I'm going to... All right, so the prospect rating system is 10 is Justin Verlander. The one is 50 cent. Okay. <laughs> 50 we're going we're to give Tom a zero because <laughs> lessons just to get to 50 cents left. <laughs> I mean, I, I tell you, I think they were doing edits just so that they could film the bottle actually making it across the room. He's clearly never thrown anything at anybody <laughs> in his entire life. He's never skipped a stone <laughs> on a <laughs> pond. But, but he's doing that, right? He's doing that. <laughs> doing what? I mean, that's he's doing that on purpose as the actor right? to act. No, no way. No way. No, I don't think he's, so. He's British, so we don't know. That's true. Yeah, Matthew McFadden has been sensational in this part up to this point, but he lost me. <laughs> Tom Williams games is a Midwestern boy. You telling me he hasn't thrown a football or a baseball? I assumed it was his equivalent of, you know, not knowing the price of milk for it. <laughs> No, we think he just sucks at throwing. But yeah, he's supposed to be a Midwestern boy. But he he's definitely knows how. He's weirdly effeminate for a Midwestern boy. And oh, wait, like isn't he? I mean, wait, learning. we don't. Isn't he closeted gay? I, I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? Mm, we're not is he? sure about that, but he is. His relationship, like, he did I, swallow I, his own. He did yeah, swallow he has, his own. Like, that's where i was going with that <laughs> and just like his whole relationship with greg you know like it's a little like flirty oh, I've, been, I've been catching that vibe from the get -go. <laughs> yeah it's another reason to wonder why i mean shiver even he's, together he's he's very asexual job, though to budget. begin with yeah he's not he's overtly sure. you know bisexual or gay but i feel like it's there right to me i could be reading into it too much but hey. like a puppy dog. no it's definitely no i don't there. think you are i mean his highlight sexual moment on the show is swallowing his own <laughs> semen <laughs> and he's a, I mean, he's a he's a beard to shiv essentially yeah yeah oh man well you know he goes he goes in the morass of uh, sexually confused characters on this show. We've got a few, so he's he's just one of many. Jesus Christ! Yeah, there's oddly there's there's really no there's no sex in this show, is there? I didn't even think there about that. There's no normal sex. Yeah. And the only scene I remember was uh Kendall and his ex-wife. Yeah. And that was it. And that was early one. on too. Like that was and like yeah, like the first two or three episodes. or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, yes, there's a lot of talk about sex. Right, but not very much actual sex happening. Yeah. Tom later apologizes when they get out of the fake panic room. He says, I don't always like who I am, Greg. And then Greg reveals that he kept the crew's documents and basically asked for permission to blackmail Tom. <laughs> and Tom is delighted by this, so he promotes him. He says, you're a fucking slime ball, like a proud papa. And Greg continues his unintentional rise to the ranks. Yes. <laughs> Just by randomly bumbling his way to the top. Yes. Finding his way into ruthless behavior. 
Yeah. I mean, part of the show that I, you know, I think that they got away from at least for a bit was their, the comic absurdity stuff that they do. And, um, it's not necessarily, uh, uh, I don't know. To my liking, I appreciate it, I suppose, but uh, I found it a little too much in this episode. It was just yeah. too much. Doing yeah. too much. You know, again, like I like when they pace it out in a certain in a certain way that is, uh, you know, to, just my style. But it's uh, it ends up being too much like the American office, you know, yeah, the U.S. office. Whereas I like the British office. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Here you. We hear you. Yeah. More, more nuanced. You are, yeah, less slapstick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I didn't particularly like that scene. In fact, I was confused by it, and I didn't even feel the urge to even find out what it was true, like what was going which, on there, because it's just the thing, the Greg and Tom scene. You know, the bottle throwing or the one yeah. after. Yeah. But I didn't like the bottle throwing either. I thought it was too much of a retread of Boar on the Floor. Um, Oh. Too close to like, okay, so now he's going to just humiliate him here in this situation. But I did really dig the blackmailing conversation. Yo, that was so good. Like, Greg is like low-key, like one of my growing in my power rank, personal power rankings. Like, just like his whole like, I'm not really like – trying to blackmail you but i'm actually blackmailing you and it's like the whole way he presented it and he's like no but i'm actually like so innocent you know like i don't know what i'm doing like it's it's really it's just funny like i i enjoy that a lot about him yeah and he's slowly earning the praises of the family right because kendall calls him a machiavellian fuck and and right, tom right. obviously has this fondness for him being a slime ball so right which this is the thing this, this kind of behavior is rewarded right Right, because as (laughs) Logan Logan hates losing, he doesn't want to lose, so he now only wants to buy Pierce just because everybody's saying no. Can't buy Pierce, yeah. Right, like so, he's now driven by the negation or the possibility of negation, as opposed to the need, the true business need to do this. Um, And ruthlessness is rewarded in this family. And which is interesting because Kendall is being punished for his Machiavellian move, right? Um, well, mm-hmm. yeah. And now maybe Shiv, who's trying to move quickly, is being downplayed. Right. But this, uh, I think the Shiv thing is just a ruse anyway. Because oh, yeah, as Logan, Logan, I think real, the big, one of the underpinnings of this Pierce move is that not only will they be too big to take be taken over, too big to fail, they'll now be too big for him to just hand over to somebody else. And instead he can piecemeal things out and say, Shiv, you just run this. You know? Do we think Shiv knows that she's getting played? Like I know that she said that no. she feels like she is, but it like in the beginning when <clears throat> she had the conversation with Tom, she was like, No, like it's not real. Of course it's not. But like well, I feel like she thinks to, it's real. Yeah. It's starting to feel that way for her. Yeah. That's the yeah. whole that That's was the whole I'm progress like, of that uh episode for her, right? Yeah. In the so, beginning. So she feels like this is real. But like said, we feel like this is a misdirect. That said, I think her coming, she's she's wondering, well, if not me, who, right? So That's she now true. has confirmation yeah. that Kendall's not, unless right. Kendall's playing some severely sophisticated move against her, right? Which we yeah. feel like Kendall is not. No, but it's There's possible. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's possible. That's I like mean, a really. <laughs> but there, uh, uh, anybody else though, like go, wait a minute, Tom's the head of this news network, really? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean Well that's the satire part, right? Because that's that's yeah. what I've been saying all along. He's incompetent, it's, he's not smart, he goes in the meeting on the way he, within two minutes he says he should stay, right? Oh no, he should go, right? Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't know where to fall on this whole thing because he doesn't have a stance on anything. His only stance is how do I keep being climb the in ladder. this position, you yeah. know, and get higher for no reason at all. I just can't see that you know Logan being as smart as he is would uh, even even can 
consider entertaining him being the head of something so important. It's just stupid to me. Well, he's a, he's a figure. Maybe the point. The real talent is Sid, right? Yeah, and she's the one in the newsroom during the crisis. And who's really running the news, right? Tom and Tom gotcha. hates Sid yeah. because Tom, Sid actually knows what she's doing. Right, 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 right. I just still, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want Tom in front of it because at a certain point that, that person has to be accountable to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's so out on as Tom. opposed as opposed to hiding him in the shadows in important in important right. position, which he yes. should be. Right. Um, but by the way, Greg, Greg, I don't know. The show of reminds me of Seinfeld a lot, you know, and that like a lot of these concepts you you would see in Seinfeld. For instance, when um, the uh, the military guy who Elaine hires from the mailroom to write for the Peterman catalog, remember? And yeah. she then becomes scared of him and then keeps promoting him up and up. <laughs> you know, yes, yes. Like so, so many of the stuff, so many of the themes you see in this show, like you would see in, in Seinfeld. So even the Kramer, like e. Kramer, you know, like uh, it, we, we put in those positions, you know, like yeah. the blackmail, accidental blackmail, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so they've isolated Roman now. He is off on a six week management training program at the Adventure Park. His section of the training video is edited out, and he yeah. immediately calls Jerry to complain. He calls her mommy. Uh-oh, more trouble on that front. He dresses up in a turkey costume for some reason and talks shit to the park goers. And then he bonds with a fellow management training program uh, member named Brian, who describes himself as an enigma that is intellectually promiscuous but culturally conservative. Roman makes up the name Ron Rockstone, which just sounds like another rich <laughs> douchebag, of course. Or a porn star. <laughs> yes, basically. And Brian is played by Zach Cherry, who uh, comes from the HBO recycling program. He was in Crashing, so he's now shown up in this show. They have to do a group presentation together, like it's middle school and... Brian asks Roman what his idea of a good time is. He says, I like booking out a suite at the Chateau and snorting purified sertraline off women that don't know they're prostitutes yet. So that's, you know, a casual weekend for Ron Rockstone. Yeah. He, he comes up with this idea of a VR war simulation, which ends up winning this group project pitch thing, even though Roman gets pulled out and put into a secure Another terrible fake safe Xerox room. room. <laughs> Xerox room. <laughs> after his uh, after his day, he calls to brag to Tabitha, and they try phone sex, which just goes horrifically wrong. Then he calls Jerry, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and it goes just right. Jerry turns into Cat uh -huh. from Euphoria, <laughs> and Roman turns into Johnny Unite yeah. USA. <laughs> yeah. Just the, just amazing. Oh, my God. And Jerry's kind of into it, dude. Yes, she yeah. was. Yes, she was. It's very strange. I don't know how to feel about it. We're on track for a hookup there. <laughs> that is the hookup, AC. This is a hookup, yeah. That, that is it. They've kind of announced the dynamics of their relationship here. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it seems clear that uh, intercourse is nothing Roman can pull off. Hmm, I wonder if we're going to delve into that further as to why. If there's going to be like another trigger type of situation. I feel like there's more there, but more there with Roman. It's just everything Everything with him is an illusion of jokes and, and puns and, and one-liners. Yeah, I just want to say, too, that there's no way Roman has any familiarity with the White Album. Let's I know. be honest now. That Let's just be honest. It's my white was, album period. It was way out of his league. I kept thinking to myself, the writer, when he heard that, I was like, I got it in. You know? Yeah, totally. Going bad. I mean, you know, unless, you know, I don't know. There's just no way he knows that record. I see him listening to some EDM, you know, the worst kind, too. EDM music. Music. <laughs> music is elevator music, though. Euro pop. You're right. Yeah. The music. Yeah. Now it's EDM, right? In the elevators. I mean, maybe he's getting all of this stuff in the elevators. 
those digital screens. I'm still on the whole Roman has a ghostwriter theory. That's where I'm personally subscribing yeah. to. He, he pays <laughs> some like Indian kid <laughs> to send him jokes on, on Fiverr. For, yeah. Five dollars a joke or ten dollars a reference, something like that. Yeah, but. I, yeah, I, I really don't need his side plot. I mean, I get that they have to randomly isolate these characters, you know, one at a time or whatever. But Ro- Roman pretending to learn stuff is just, not, I'm not in. <laughs> he, did, he didn't do shit. All, and then he immediately, after one day, he wants to hire this Brian dude and he wants to build this ride that he came up with. Yeah. Yeah, this was the definition of a filler episode. There's just a lot of ancillary things happening. Um, just a few things that would just just enough to drive further the story of Kendall, which probably is more of the more interesting one in in terms of work because we now see him going out on the balcony a couple of times, and and it makes me wonder like is is this going to just break him the whole situation? I think yeah. that's that's compelling. Yeah. He does so, seem to be doing the suicide walk yes. on both ends of the show, right? Yes, yes. And, and looking out now at the end, looking down at the possibility of possibly yep. jumping what's down below, um, which I guess the dichotomy of having everything and then feeling like you're imprisoned. Yeah, I feel like that's a tease, right? That's a tease that they went through with this Um that I found him opening up to Javon. I thought that just, you know, it, it came out of nowhere, but you could kind of get it because anybody holding in something like that would have to talk to somebody about it, but but he's still, like, holding on to it, which, you know, you can understand because he killed somebody, so that's an issue. Connor, Connor is, as usual, off on his own antics here, but he starts off the episode by singing, Happy Death Day to Mo. Happy death day to Mo. Not so sad. This is a big opportunity for me, baby. Yeah? Yeah. Campaign financing. Mo knew a lot of high net worth individuals. I'm going to work the room, meet some wallets. The whole church is going to be stuffed with weeping ATMs. Right. So Marsha called. Marsha? She called you? Yeah, she wanted me to talk to the widow, see what Mo told the biographer. No, this is good. They're involving you in their disgusting little stratagems. Right. It means they like you. Come on, let's get ready to shed a tear at Moe's funeral, a.k.a. the gold rush. I'm getting a donor boner just thinking about it. It's oh, cute. We learned that Marsha has recruited Willa to press the widow for information. Once again, Marsha, not even in this episode, kind of operating in the shadows. Mm-hmm. I still wonder if anything will ever pay off with, with that character, but... Connor and Willa end up being the only ones to attend the funeral. And in the most hilarious moment of the episode, we learn that Moe's real name is Lester, as in Moe Lester, as in (laughs) old Mr. Fiddlesticks, a.k.a. Uncle Meat Hands. And so now we have this whole insult-laden nickname for this, this deceased person who I'm pretty sure we didn't meet before, Jake. I don't think that he's been in the show. Yeah, no, I... I Yes, because I, I think the other board person who was ill last season was a woman. And so we just have, you know, another ancillary member of Logan's crew who is just completely trashed behind his back to the point that the entire Roy family makes fun of him for possibly being a sexual predator. Great. Uh, Connor's preparing a eulogy. Willa attempts to dissuade him from giving it due to the Wolfpack's nefarious past and it possibly coming down on him and his campaign. The biographer arrives, and I finally figured out where I recognize this actress. It's uh, the woman who played Susan, Ross's wife that left him for a woman and friends. Nah, I knew I recognized her. And Connor repeats over and over again that he was interested in politics at a very young age. He caps off the episode by giving the most basic and factual eulogy of all time. <laughs> so, so that nothing can be parsed for the biography. The meat and potatoes of this episode was the Logan, Kendall, Shiv, Rhea plot. So we've got Shiv sitting with Jerry, kind of probing her for information. Jess enters. They speak covertly. She breaks it down, figures out what's what's going on and she that's where she drops the coloring book line 
And then she gets Jerry to admit that it involved Kendall's stealing of inconsequential items that was teased in episode two. So I guess Kendall has been shoplifting fairly regularly, getting his Winona Ryder on. Mm. And then Kendall enters and there's an awkward conversation. Ray Jarrell arrives and drops Cleopatra and Oedipus references right away. She dismisses Kendall's cover story. She delivers the Pierce family message of fuck off and then feigns that she's not interested or very influential. I thought she was kind of playing games here. So the fact that, you know, she ends up back in the safe room and then is more, once the number starts going up, she's more interested. I wasn't really surprised by that. It seems like that's the move that she wants is to sell, but she just knows that the Pierce family would not go for it. Yeah, that's what it seems like. She's like, I need more, right, to make this palatable. And she wants the the politics of the the news company to stay intact, and that's what Logan, you know, says, trust me, and says that he won't interfere with that. But, of course, I, I wouldn't trust Logan Roy. <laughs> not for a second. I think... To what you said earlier, I think next week next week should be interesting to see this other family because I think we're going to get like almost a, a a mirror image or just like a different distorted image of what the Roys are with this with the with the Pierce family. So I'm looking forward to that. Kendall goes in the bathroom in the safe room for a moment. I'm almost certain that he was doing cocaine in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shiv and Rhea both lie about the reason for their presence, and then Shiv. Keeps trying to force her way into the negotiations to Kendall's displeasure. Then the the numbers start rolling out. Starts at twenty one billion. Kendall raises it half a billion. And then whiny little ship. Can he say that, Dad? Why is Kendall say numbers? Like why does he just keep saying numbers? Is he allowed? I thought that was so annoying of Shiv right there. Yes. And Rhea says, I think it's telling that your most positive spin still sounds a bit rapey. Yeah. <laughs> and he op- Logan offers to keep the culture intact and asks for trust at $24 billion. On the way out, Rhea suggests canning Ravenhead to please Nan Pierce. And then later we get the, the confrontational scene between Shiv and Kendall where she wants to know what's going on with him and Logan. And this was just tremendous work from Jeremy Strong in this scene. He really wants to tell her it would really be good for him to be able to talk about this. But all you can do is tell Shiv that he's not a threat and ask for a hug before he cries into her shoulder. You can't tell me what's going on. No. Fucking look at me. Shiv, it's not going to be me. All right. You want to tell me why? Come here. Give me a hug. Come here. A hug? Hey. You okay? I would just ask that you take care of me. Because uh, if Dad didn't need me right now, I don't exactly know what I would be for. You want to talk some more? I I really can't. But, uh, okay. thank you. Yeah, it ain't gonna be me. <laughs> so, Shiv, in this episode, I thought she was too insistent on Logan actually acknowledging her as a successor. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what seemed to be going on, is she kept pressing Logan to, to tell Rhea that that Shiv would be, you know, the one to, to carry the torch next and bring that into the negotiations. Logan just wants her to shut up so he can close the deal. And that's that's where I kind of got the vibes that, like, Shiv is not cut out for this. She's not playing it cool, right? Not at all. And the whole, she's supposed to be in there in the most discreet way, but she can't 
keep from being indiscreet. And she's ruffling feathers at every turn. You know, he has to quiet her down in the general meeting he's letting her sit in on, at which point Tom calls her the hot intern, by the way. Yep. <laughs> Just completely can't help himself. No, he can't. Um, but she can't play it cool, you know? So this is this is going to reveal her true abilities to Logan, who clearly knows what he wants, but but he has an agenda. He's operating, you know underneath everything and it's not entirely clear to anybody what that is but i don't think he has any any plans on giving up power anytime soon i think nope. he wants to go down with the, you know he doesn't want to give up till he has to which not is at death, all. death or or real inability to perform his duties 100 percent with you there yeah i mean his his pitch is basically i'll take care of it you know yeah. I'm the one that you can count on to do this. Yes, exactly. He's positioned, he's putting himself in the position of having to handle this transition, which will take a while. Um, I love how they all fall back on the same old trite things of like combined marketing, combine this, combine that. Yep. Synergies. <laughs> They're saying synergies like it's the early 90s. A lot of buzzwords in these talks, yeah. definitely. But, you know, again, it goes to show, I mean, Logan has a job to do right now. I mean, I'm sorry, Kendall has a job to do, which is keeping him afloat. Um, and he's privy to the plan, which is what's so interesting about Shiv constantly speaking up in that meeting because she was she knows they were huddling and that they're on this together. But, you know, she just can't help but insert herself in the most uncomfortable way in a high level scenario you know two ceos are talking about one of the biggest media mergers in history and like you say she's going can he say that dad can he talk like that (laughs) i mean why are you gonna out your own fucking people in a in a meeting like that yeah she's got no game no game she's an unemployed daughter who's just there in the safe room because yeah that you know she she's too high leverage to be in the the non-safe room (laughs) and she has no experience in this realm as far as we know none and that that was also what was interesting with her kind of feeling out just how crucial kendall is this whole episode she she's never been She's never been brought in, so she's never seen how right. how much Kendall does and how much he interfaces with Logan. Yeah, and it's funny, too, how Kendall still has a little ability to twist his own knife, you know? He's like, I know you lost your job. <laughs> it's like, I walked out. You know, like, nobody, nobody's, nobody's buying her spin on that scenario. Yeah, he's not happy to see her at all, either. He no, wants her, no. to, yeah. It's great. The, the sibling tension there was good. And the episode closes out with him, with Kendall returning to the roof to discover the higher glass panels, which is obviously a reaction to the suicide in the office. Well, wait a minute now. I, no, no, I thought it was a different roof. So I, my read on that was that the opening was that building he bought the five unfinished apartments in. Okay. Okay. So remember in the opening, he's walking like through a basically what's a construction site right there's there's the yeah and then at the end of the episode i took that to be he was actually at the corporate offices so i I think you're probably right but he does go to the roof before he Mm -hmm. goes to the panic room and that is for sure the roof at the roy tower yeah and that one does not have the high glass because he's able to kind of lean over and and look at the city and then at the end of the episode you know the high glass panels are in and so I kind of thought of that as like he was kind of contemplating suicide before, and then now, dude, that would take that would take months. I know. That would take a long time to install I that know. glass. I know. <laughs> Only in TV. <laughs> no, no, I think there are two different locations. Okay. But when you have to deliver a clear visual image <laughs> to yeah, resonate yeah. at the end of your episode, you don't worry about <laughs> shit like that, right? You just say it's done. We built the wall and, and Mexico paid for it. <laughs> yeah. 
a bit boring, though. You know, unfortunately, not a thrilling episode to watch. You know, uh, important stuff happened from a narrative perspective. Some, you know, anytime you see genuine emotion on the show, and I'm not sure we've seen anything quite like that scene between Kendall and Shiv. Yeah. It's deeply uncomfortable for everybody concerned, I think, including us. I was like, it's where hard, did that come from? It's hard to even know what to do with that, you know, because we're so not used to seeing it. Everybody's not at manipulating all. everybody. Um, and it may just turn out to be that uh, Kendall's playing a whole new level of game to ensure his future in the way that he he's always envisioned it. So it'll be interesting to see how these things play themselves out. Succession. I mean, I think, uh, I, I mean, again, it's only, you're only, I'm only judging these relative to where the show was at, you know, and so I tweeted about it today and people are like all up what in arms reaction? over, um, I get the stand, I get the standard, you know, this is your, it's a bit thing. And, um, I, I mean, I could read them to you, some of them. I, mean, <laughs> I said, wow, Succession went from one of the best shows on TV to mediocre faster than Game of Thrones. Impressive 13-episode run, though. I mean, that's true. It's a fact. I mean, it didn't take Game of Thrones until season four or five to get mediocre. Oh and God. and and it, like, I don't see anything wrong with a 13-episode run, right? Again, like, people, like think why i don't know why they feel like they need to root for these shows you know what i'm saying like if it doesn't deliver it doesn't deliver and often this well, the case it just is too long it's just the, you know they just don't know where to go and that's where we're at right now right you can kind of see it happening with roman in, in this place and and these things pl playing out here it's becoming to feel like a, a soap opera and i'm just worried that we're going to get this mid-season filler and then it comes back strong you know what I mean? <laughs> like well, the that's Ozark. Well, that's good. So, Coming yeah, back strong would be good. No, and I know, but again, I'm, all I'm saying is that's – I'm not saying I'm bailing on the show. I'm uh -huh, not saying yeah. it's the worst show ever. And yeah. it's, it's just – it is what it is for me when it got mediocre in episode four, period. You know, for me. Oh, I, I mean, I you want to feel that it's great? Go for it. I don't care. Oh, no, I thought this was filler. I said this There's been the other mediocre moments. This isn't the first time the show has been mediocre. And I've I mean, been ambivalent yeah. about the show. I've been ambivalent. I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I, I just felt I, like I, I don't like uh, – uh, I feel like they're not necessarily carving out some of the intricacies in the, in the particular places that need to be, introducing new characters perhaps. But uh, um, I don't know. That, that scene – no. When he does that that negotiation, you know, and it's like it's it's not in a traditional setting as it should be. Obviously, you know, there's this whole notion of him just spouting out numbers, and and then all of a sudden goes, "I'm gonna be an honest guy." <laughs> like that was so. It was like what? I don't know. That just made no sense to me. So I don't know. It just fell apart for me in a big way. Well, I think you agree. It was a major come down. From last week. Yeah, whereas before I was like, you know, I mean, I wanted to watch the show almost as soon as it came out. Now I'm like, maybe I need to wait to maybe I mean, I even thought this going into this episode. I was like, I wonder if I should wait till there's three to watch. Well, yeah, didn't you watch the first three in a row? I think, yeah, I binged the first three or something like that. So, well, that yeah, I think that's that probably. Helps. Yeah, I think I think I made I may need. Um, well, we'll give like you the Logan, though. I well, know, Logan I was so. in the background this episode. Yeah. yeah. Reserve. I mean, that and now, we, we, so I mean, could be the well, problem right there. <laughs> it was It was a part of the problem. We were diversified across the ensemble cast in a big way this episode, whereas Logan was very much leading the charge in the last episode. But one of the things we didn't talk about, Maze, and we said we would, was you were questioning, or you seemed to be questioning whether um, Logan's kind of anxieties expressed in the panic room when they first arrived there were genuine. Remember where he's, he's, he's wondering where Kendall is and, and what do oh, we make yeah. of, what do we make of this concern for Kendall that he's consistently exhibiting nowadays? Concern for his puppy who's, who's, who, who will handle all exactly. this. Yeah. No, it, it was, it was too much for me. It was too much for me. Um, 
Did you guys talk about Tom throwing the woman out of the way, rushing into the panic room? By the way, that was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that was another Seinfeld. Exactly, another Seinfeld. That um, was that was. You're right about that. Very Larry David. Well, it was the clown episode when the clown with with um, John Favreau, um, uh, Eric okay. the Clown. What kind of a name is that, Eric the that Clown? Was- should be named Bozo. And then a fire breaks out and he's knocking over old women, George. And- <laughs> so, so, um, but, uh, uh, I don't know, like that. Uh, oh, oh, Kendall too. Like how many pensive moments of Kendall do we need in one episode? There were three, <laughs> there were three. And like, I'm sick of his, I'm, I'm tired of his conversations. Um, yeah, just calling you to, you um. know, Whatever. Because, uh, whatever, just um, let's connect. Like, <laughs> he's just so awkward in those moments. <laughs> but it's yeah, not, he's like, terrible these guys on the are phone. Heading this giant corporation, this powerful corporation, they're nimwits, you know? I think that's part of what makes it funny, though. I mean, they didn't hit on this in this episode. I'm sure it can, can, can get annoying at times. Well, this has I mean, been his thing. He's always just deeply dis- uncomfortable interacting with people yeah. because he has doesn't have the strongest identity or sense of identity. When he goes to make those presentations to the startups in season one, yeah. there's the oh, incredibly gosh. horrific, yeah. awkward first one, and then there's the one where he comes back and he's relaxed. So it's like Kendall's always kind of had that duality. It's just like if he could just fucking lighten up or just be on drugs the whole time, like he's a normal, like pretty smart person. But when he's not, he's a fucking mess. I love him. Yeah. I did like that where the woman comes and he meets her. She tells the joke and he misses it completely. You know, that's a a nice little detail of how what state of mind he's in. I mean, he has a lot of he has a lot of shit on his plate, to be honest. He does. They do go to him, like, looking at himself in the mirror or walking up flights of stairs. And so, they do do that a lot, though. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. What do they have on their plates? No, he has a lot on his plate. I'm talking about him, Kendall, specifically. What? what? Murder. What? He's, still, he's still carrying the fact that he killed some dude and that he's stuck to his dad. He can't go nowhere. He can't do anything. That's why the whole suicide piece is I see on his mental plate. On his mental plate. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just like, I'm like, at the end, at certain points, I'm like, what do these people actually do? (laughs) What a a gig. You just get to sit in a room and go, 23 billion. Yeah. 24 billion. (laughs) Okay. It's Monopoly, dude. It's just Monopoly. Oh, man. Yeah, we're stealing money from the bank, you know? Yeah. Oh, boy. They don't just, really do much of anything. I mean, whenever you see Tom, he's doing shit like using his assistant as a, a human furniture. <laughs> I mean, and, and like that's his I, whole that's his whole thing for that half hour. <laughs> I mean, I listen. And throwing water there's a lot bottles. Of, there's a lot great. of truth in that, too, with, with cor- in corporations, you know, where yeah. you yeah. show up. For like 30 minutes and you're the, like, it looks as like you're ruling the day. And then, see ya, I'm going to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> going to tennis, U.S. Open time, yeah. you know. But still, like, I don't know, there was certain, there was a certain feel, certain edge and, and scariness to the show that was coming out of three. Lost it in four. We'll see, we'll see where we go. See where we yeah, go. we'll see what they do with this other family. I want to see what happens I'm intrigued. with them. I'm intrigued for this next episode. One, because of this other family. Two, because it looks like they're all going to be together again, which I think is always the best recipe for this show, is to get everybody in the same room interacting. Yeah. Instead of these solo adventures with Connor and Roman and Shiv last week, like, let's get everybody in the same place. Yeah.